Hi, I'm Rosie from Cointos Collective and welcome to Cointos Conversations, our new podcast for chatting about the methods, magic and madness behind making theatre with a range of emerging and established companies and artists. This first series of conversations aims to answer the question of how we create theatre in response to the climate emergency. Our show, Freak Out, will be at Vault Festival 2023 at the Network Theatre, Waterloo in London, on the 18th and 19th of March, and it follows a community facing the loss of their homes as a result of coastal erosion accelerated by climate change. Our process of reworking our show in preparation for Vault inspired us to open up conversations for sharing creative methods, inspirations and aspirations when making work that addresses, reflects and confronts climate change. In this episode of the series, I'm talking to Becky Jones from Shy Burn Theatre. Becky is the producer of the play Burnout, which will also be at this year's Vault Festival, also on the 18th and 19th of March, at the Cavern in the Vaults, Waterloo. Burnout was written by Nicole Aqua, devised by Shy Burn Theatre, and made in collaboration with climate activists across the UK. The show exposes the burnout experienced by activists from marginalised communities alongside the burnout of our planet. This is what we talked about during our conversation. Hello, Becky from Shy Bam. Hello, hi. Becky, would you like to introduce yourself, please, and tell us about your role within Shy Bam and Burnout? Of course. Um, and also, likewise, so lovely to meet you, Rosie, and thank you for asking us on to your podcast. Um, so I'm Becky. Um, I am the producer for Shy Burn Theatre. Uh, we are a theatre company that devise performances and we're sort of moving into the realm of art installation as, as well. Um, but usually our mm-hmm. projects are to raise awareness of um, different social issues and to sort of provoke social change. Mm, yeah that's all fantastic stuff and as I've seen on your website um, you guys also collaborate with artists and activists um, to create these performances that sort of go alongside um, campaigns for justice essentially and um, yeah on your website it says that I think your ethos is to elevate issues concerning contemporary Britain Um, and your aim is to affect social change through the minds of our audiences. So could you tell me sort of a little history of Shy Ben? Um, How did it originate and, you you know, how did your ethos come about as well? Um, It might have been at the same time and your shows as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Also, you read that beautifully. I feel like what we've written on our website is way more (laughs) eloquent than I am. So I'm glad our website copy (laughs) is doing justice to what we do, (laughs) which is great. Um, So, yeah, so Shy Ben, um, Shy Ben, the word comes from the Geordie phrase, Shy Ben's getting out, um, which basically means if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, I am the token southerner in Shy Ben, uh, but Caitlin, our director, is a Geordie, and Nick, 
who is our designer, they are Geordie as well, so hence that company name. Um, we three members, we're sort of the core members of Shy Ben, and then we work with different artists and creatives. And as you mentioned, um, we work with activists, and we've also uh, delivered. We deliver a lot of workshops with young people as well. Um, so those vary depending on the project. Um, so Shy Ben uh, originated um, would have been twenty nineteen, which feels really recent, but actually it was. I feel like it was quite a long time ago now, right? I know, right? It's it's such a weird year, isn't it? Whenever I think of 2019, it's always in like association with the pandemic for me because I'm like, oh, that was just before, you know, the big thing happened. Yeah, proper, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so 2019, uh, well, Caitlin and I had known each other for two years by that point and Nick. Um, and we were studying at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama um, on their MA Advanced Theatre Practice course and that's where we met really experimental course sort of looking at form and content in really exciting ways and crossing boundaries and different disciplines which was great um, and from there Caitlin formed her theatre company Shy Ben and we joined as um, core members uh, so we started developing our debut show, Talk Proper, which came from this real political itch that Caitlin had as a Geordie um, with accent prejudice, that because she's got a Geordie accent, she wouldn't be taken seriously. And obviously that can be seen throughout television and stage and screen and film, etc. Geordie accents are always sort of held at the helm of a point of comedy or mockery or stereotyping um so what we wanted to do with talk proper was really subvert that and really challenge that and raise awareness of that prejudice that is really prevalent not just um within the arts themselves but our wider sort of uk context and um also within drama schools uh it's really prevalent especially with voice uh, training um how accents are used like this idea that Shakespeare is still being asked to be performed in a very well-to-do RP accent when actually why can't it just be performed in your own accent um so yeah Talk Proper was like this comedy uh devised two-hander performed by two amazing performers um Rebecca Charlton um and Hannah gosh her name slips my mind but um Hannah um they were brilliant and uh they just took that show and worked with Caitlin and really devised that and we worked with a movement director on that too um, and that went to Vault Festival um, in 2020 literally February just before um, Covid yeah. and lockdown so it was one of the last shows at Vault 2020 um, before all of that happened so it was quite a really interesting time for us because it was our first show and then having a great time with it and really exploring it in so many different creative ways and understanding the subject matter and building this identity of who we are as a company um to then be plunged into that context as a country and as the whole world it it was really bizarre um so yeah I, I can't remember what your question was now Rosie but hopefully <laughs> that's giving you a little snippet <laughs> as to where we started <laughs> kind of sort of leads me on to what I wanted to ask you as well because um obviously we're kind of 
quite a new company. You know, we only started making work together about a year and a half ago. And uh, yeah, you guys have been going since 2019. And as, as you were saying, that doesn't seem like too long ago as well. Um, I guess after you performed at Vault and we went into the pandemic, um, would you say that had any sort of, um, did that have quite a big effect on your development as a theatre company? Yeah, I think it would be naive uh, to say it didn't. Um, definitely definitely did there was this obviously a lot of personal political global like UK centric impacts happening and as makers of arts I very much believe in that personal is the political the political is personal it's sort of this they're in tandem aren't they so um yeah definitely did and yeah we'd had taught proper proper we'd made the show um engaged some really exciting groups of people that we felt we that really spoke to that group we were sort of just at the beginnings of building our audiences um with the hope so we so with taught proper we we got quite a few bursaries to develop it and then we were hoping to go to edinburgh fringe that uh summer obviously then didn't um so it was like oh gosh okay so your world sort of gets a bit smaller and I was sort of reluctant to go too much into um pandemic effects but yeah creatively and logistically so sort of from my perspective as a producer logistically it was like okay what do we do now do we do we pause what feels right and I think for Caitlin and I it was like yeah that let's pause we can we can just breathe for a moment um and just see where we're at and i think i i i honestly think if we didn't if the pandemic didn't happen i think we'd still be running with talk proper whereas i think actually the pandemic gave us that headspace to think up burnout well caitlin to think up burnout um and to make this show because it's even though it's not a show about uh, the pandemic or about COVID or that, but there's definitely threads of that that are so intrinsic to it because it was created and developed in that context. Um, so, yeah, it, it impacted us in a way that, yeah, it felt like the work had to stop and we couldn't keep going. Um, and we had to, obviously, financially, we had to try and get jobs elsewhere or whatever we needed to do and try and make work online in other disciplines as you do in the arts um it's not Strybed isn't our sole full-time uh company but um yeah creatively it gave us breathing space which don't take for granted at all um yeah <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> that's a good point actually because yeah the pandemic actually it was a time it was a really horrible scary upsetting time but you know I think you touched on something brief briefly there where you know it was also a time to have that space to reflect and reassess a lot of things um particularly you know our impact on the planet and definitely there were so many conversations that were emerging during the pandemic um and one of them 
was, you know, the climate change crisis and debate. Um, so that sort of leads me on to, I kind of wanted to ask you, um, I guess, why burnout? Because over the course of the series of this podcast, we've been talking to a lot of companies and creatives whose shows and projects have focused on quite specific effects and byproducts of climate change. For example, um, I talked to Hypoc Theatre a couple of weeks ago um, and their show, Treading Water, focuses on climate doomerism and anxiety. And our show, Freak Out, is about how climate change is accelerating coastal erosion, which is threatening the livelihoods and homes of people who live in these seaside towns. And um, Burnout explores both the social effect of climate change on activists, resulting in sort of mental burnout, as well as this physical burnout, the environmental destruction of our planet. So what inspired you, I guess, to look at this phenomenon of reaching burnout and how did this original idea come about? Yeah, no, great question. And yeah, absolutely. There's... um there's so many different facets and ways to explore it. And I think, I think that idea came from it all with Shy Ben, it always comes from a political itch, whether that's making us angry, pissed off, um, just like emotional about something that's really important to us. It, it, we have to care about it. We, the whole team, you know, not just uh, Kate and I coming up with an idea. It, it has to come from that place of care and that place of um, being affected, as I was saying earlier, about the personal is political and the political is personal. Like, that kind of rings true to our work. Um, and, like, yeah, I think it came actually from a place of overwhelm. Um, I and Caitlin, Kate, we've both done activism in the past um, and been quite involved in politics with our like political parties that we support um and so we've had that first-hand experience of burnout and feeling that overwhelm at the myriad of ways that us as individuals can try to save the planet <laughs> in air quotations um and that can feel so overwhelming and I think there's just so many facets to the topic that actually we kind of want to shine a light on that that overwhelm that burnout that we experience um because it's exactly that it's so political you know I think really to save the planet like a lot of people are saying it's the corporations that have the money and the power to do so and I think there's this sense of individualism and this sense of blame on the individual that oh go and get a bamboo toothbrush and it's like that's not going to save the planet um <laughs> you like and that's actually one of our lines from the show it's uh yeah your bamboo toothbrush won't save us you don't recycle it anyways and it's kind of this tongue-in-cheek like making a point of it can't just be on the individual um it needs to be on the majority and it needs to be on those with power and money to do so so yes i think it to go back to your question it came from a place of overwhelm it came from a place of personal experience it came from a place of wanting to make sure that voices that don't get heard are heard um often you know it it is those white middle-class voices that are heard. So it was really important for me and Caitlin to be facilitating a show that's actually platforming people that should be heard. 
um, like those working class voices, um, black voices, like all sorts of people that need to be heard that aren't. So yeah, it was kind of in two parts, came from a place of personal experience and overwhelm, but also this necessity to tie in with our ethos as a company to make sure we're platforming those voices that deserve to speak on the matter and share their story um, of how burnout affects them. And when we speak of burnout, it actually might be quite useful to say, um, that is that term is taken from mental health and there's the seven stages of burnout. Um, so this, the play itself is actually structured uh, it's written and structured in those seven stages. So the characters go through those seven stages of burnout as wow. well as it being about burnout. So both in form and content, it explores that. Um, the burnout of the of the characters, but also like you spoke about, Rosie, the burnout of the planet. Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty much where that idea came from. And so as Caitlin and I is like to white woman we were like this isn't necessarily our story to tell but maybe we can provide that space and that platform to make sure that people can have that story told so we I think we worked with a total of about 20 activists over two years in various workshops um we worked with those activists to develop the show itself so the the pet play is very much based on their experiences and um yeah their sort of experience of burnout and climate activism so yeah I hope that was <laughs> you'll realize Rosie throughout this podcast I'm so tangential um that's me in a nutshell <laughs> that was that no that was really interesting and like very in-depth and yeah I I really really like um that you've structured your play in those sort of was it seven stages of, of burnout? Yeah. Yeah, see, we have the, it's the seven stages. Um, so they go through, so you start with excitement. Um, mm. And then, do you know what? I'm actually just going to make sure I get this correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I saw it on your website, the, the little flow chart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have excitement. Then there's a phase called let's work harder. So excitement's quite self-explanatory. It's like, ah, this is amazing. I'm going to do everything. And in terms of the context of like activism and climate justice, it's like, yeah, right. I'm going to sign up to everything. I'm going to do everything. I want to be involved in absolutely every dialogue and conversation and share everything on social media and just be totally engaged. Um, then there's this sense of like, let's work harder. Like we're feeling this sort of personal burden of the planet's burnout um so then you go into this let's work harder phase where we feel like oh we're not doing good enough we need to keep working which then transpires into frustration um so this uh especially as uh our character amara in the show they are a student they're quite young um they're new to the movement um they then go into this phase of frustration because you're like realizing all these things that you can't push through and these barriers that are stopping you from like actually doing the work. Um, and then there's the next stage, illness and denial. So you're just burning yourself out, you're getting ill, you're denying that you're ill, so you're just trying to persevere. Um, that might 
uh, take the form of like tokenism, for example, um, which is quite prevalent <laughs> across lots of different political parties um, trying to tokenize um, people. Um, then that goes into sort of apathy, so just feeling nonchalant and whatever I'll just take whatever hits me and then eventually then go into burnout which is a deep despair um and that's a cycle so it's it's not like a spectrum it's that then that burnout then can transpire back into excitement and then it continues and uh yeah so it's that that um concept of burnout was so useful in the early days for developing burnout because it informed the writing it informed the devising it informed the design it it informed sort of the myriad of everything and then also from producer perspective I I consider myself a empathy-led producer I really do care about our people so that was so important when we're making a show about burnout we don't want our casting creatives to burn out um so that was yeah so it felt really just sort of permeated the whole process really Mm. that's so important Becky and I I think I find um sort of in the sort of creative space particularly in theatre at the moment these values are becoming more and more important like with check-ins and you know making sure everyone's comfortable in the room it's it's just so important because I think you know, when you're making a show, you know, the first time we made Freak Out, we made it in the space of four weeks. It's, yeah, it's a stressful time. It's mentally and physically draining. So like you said, and it's so great you're putting this into practice. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, definitely. And I I hope so. Um, I think it's uh, sort of within our practice as a company, we're constantly learning constantly speaking to other companies and we're getting it wrong um but also just trying to do our best um to yeah make sure that our team comes first and whatever procedures that involves and like making sure we have access riders for example and using those access riders in practice not just it being a document that we tick off a list um it very much being embedded into what we do um but yeah it's i think it's forgiving our people for getting it wrong but also just trying to do our best and not burn out that's like the most important thing um yeah you're completely right (laughs) the arts industry can be brutal um so that's really really important to us Mm, amazing so I guess uh, obviously I've had a little look at the premise of burnout and I can see that it's sort of there's two characters you know one of them is a teenager who you said they're about to take their GCSEs and the other one is like an older climate change activist and they both meet at protests and I guess the story goes from there um I guess I can see I, I guess you were sort of going back to um you know the sort of you know, the really interesting structure of the different stages of grief. Was there also a conscious decision to have the two characters not be the same age? Um, and in a way, were, are the, without obviously spoiling too much, um, are they sort of both on sort of different journeys with their burnout? Was that a decision that you wanted to come across? Yeah. Um, oh, that's, re- that's a really good question. And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> really mindful of not giving too much of the plot away. Yeah, of course. Um, 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely in the early days. So we, our writer, um, Nikki, Nicole Aqua, um, brilliant, brilliant writer. Gosh, if you ever get to work with her amazing yeah. yeah i've seen she was uh nominated for the women's playwriting prize oh yeah she sounds yeah she's absolutely incredible. she's 10 out of 10 her her writing is just so beautiful and rhythmic and it really gets under your skin and it is just uh, every time yeah i read Every time I read, we do a read-through of Burnout, I discover new things, and I think that really shows amazing writing when uh, that happens. And uh, aside from their brilliant professional practice, they are just an ace human. So, Nikki, if you're listening, you're great. <laughs> um, yeah, so actually, so going back to my point, we brought Nikki on quite early on um, in 2020. So it was towards the latter end of 2020 when Caitlin came up with sort of the concept for the show we brought Nikki on early days um because uh, it was the first it was actually for us as a company it was working in a new way we usually devise we don't usually work with a writer um so this was our first time writing um, sorry working with a writer in a devise context so which is really interesting when you're when you've got a writer that's really open and generous and kind and prepared to give their script over to a creative team and actors and just pull bits apart. So um, they were just brilliant with that. Um, yeah, so Nikki came on early on and yeah, it was it was kind of from the get-go, those creative conversations with Caitlin and Nikki were that we felt there needed to be an age difference between Bridget, who's our committed activist, uh, quite a bit older than Amara, um, wanted that sort of intergenerational link there. I think that's really important in terms of when we're talking about the planet and using these two characters as kind of a microcosm for the wider context of the world, um, especially when it comes to like polarised views and how we operate. And I think there's definitely gaps between generations. And I, I guess that might be a UK-centric thing. I'm not sure. Um, but this idea of trying to put two people in a in a space that aren't the same age might have shared lived experiences but there's definitely diff a different disposition there and I think that's really interesting to sort of put a microscope on that within the format of creating a two-person play um because it shines a light on on that friction and um those differences those different point of views um so that yeah that that age gap was definitely intentional and that was talked about really really early on um in the process um uh i can't remember the second part of your question but i'm <laughs> thinking that was it <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i yeah i think it's so true that it's important to yeah have that intergenerational um those different perspectives um, because I guess if the characters were the same age, you know, it's obviously people can have differing opinions, but I guess it creates a bit more, something a bit more interesting, isn't it? To, to hear, yeah, sort of two different generations who are essentially still united on the same side and, you know, are fighting for the same reasons. Um, 
but to yeah to sort of explore those differences yeah absolutely and because yeah like you say no not to say that two people that are the same age have the same opinions but I think there's that risk of it being an echo chamber and I think we really wanted to avoid that with this play and um without saying too much there's a lot of multi-role in the play so yes we have Bridget and we have Amara but we also meet lots of other characters that are part of that story um and again that just adds like that other dimension between different genders and different age groups and different ethnicities and and like how that sits and what that what that means for that conversation and what that means for how we move forward um as a community trying to do better um within the climate movement basically Mm. Yeah, I love multi-rolling. I, I just think it's always so fun. And yeah, it sounds like through that, you're also bringing in a breadth of other, yeah, other perspectives and other experiences as well. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, like you mentioned about working with, um, yeah, collaborating with climate activists as well when making this piece, you know, it's so important to have the research, you know, whenever, you, you know, we like with our show as well we've had to do so much research as well it's so important whenever you're making a show about these prevalent issues especially with climate change yeah definitely and um and I think there's there's also that risk of it feeling really heavy and really serious and and I think yes the show that we are creating is those things but that uh, that sort of stylistic element of having multi-role and um, there's a bit of musicality in the show and I think having that lightness and that joy and that fun is really important and I think that really helps to hit home what we're talking about um, which I'm hoping is going to come across <laughs> in burnout <laughs> absolutely sure it will and and that's so true because our show as well you know there are some really sad stories that we've heard and, you know, of people, you know, there was this fundraising party in this town called Haysborough, which has been, that that's in Norfolk. And that's been sort of our main um, uh, focus, I guess, and um, behind, yeah, behind uh, constructing our fictional town that our show is set in. And yeah, they had this fundraising party and one poor lady... Uh, came back to find her house had already fallen into the sea and she was watching all her things sort of you know submerging in the waves and it's it's really sad these stories but um I think as well yeah light and shade is very important and I think as well it actually helps the audience connect with the characters more you know we've got some quirky characters in ours and we have um you know, we're quite playful as a company and we experiment with a lot of different styles um, in our piece as well. Um, some very sort of strange, like energetic sequences that disrupt the sort of the characters talking in these dialogue scenes. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting to find these similarities between our shows, isn't it? And, you know, you going back to that story about that woman, like that's exactly what was so important to us in our process it's like those real stories yeah like not not like extinction rebellion chaining themselves to a a gate 
and that's fine if you can do that but if you haven't got that privilege to do that it's actually what what kind of activism works for these people um and similarly to you with burnout it's actually set in cumbria um so lakani uh Cherwa, who's one of our performers she's cumbrian and uh danika etchels who we worked with originally um to devise it she's also from cumbria as well but we're delighted to welcome chloe wade onto the team um who's also from uh the north as well um and it explores flooding in that context so it's like there's also this looming flood uh throughout the show as well um and it, yeah just you saying that story about that woman it, this is what actually happens to real people and like when's it going to change how's it going to change who cares and who's going to help and I think that that's where the role of theatre comes in isn't it to try and have those dialogues and to raise awareness of that in some way so Becky yeah you've mentioned about the play being written by uh, Nicole Aqua and it's also devised by you Shy Ben um so it's very interesting, this sort of creative process, um, you know, because you've also collaborated with these activists. How did these sort of elements work with and around each other when you were making the show? Because I'm assuming you started with the pre-existing script. Yeah, so we... Um, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Caitlin and Nikki sort of had questions um, and conversations early on in, 20, in sort of late 2020 um so Nikki began writing the script from those conversations very rough working draft um and then in early 2021 we held our first workshops um a series of workshops with about 10 climate activists um from across the UK we held those online on zoom and they were, they were basically weekly workshops where we shared our practice of theatre making and we used theatre making as a platform to explore um, experiences of activism. So those activists, it, it basically it facilitated this really gorgeous space where activists could share their stories and they could meet other activists and especially in that context of having been in lockdown for such a long time and still in the context of COVID, it was, aside from it being for burnout and for this show process and being this way of um, developing creatively, it was also this space of, this is really great, this is so exciting. Wow, we get to share um, what we know about theatre making and then we get to hear from these activists who are gonna teach us something and we're sort of coming into this space of people that might not necessarily ever meet or work together and mixing that together and being able to see how they inform each other and how can theatre making be activism, can activism be theatre and, and sort of working in that space. So we, um, so we held weekly sessions and in those sessions we explored different exercises and different ways of... Um, combating burnout we partnered with an amazing um initiative called the resilience project which was founded by katie hodgetts um do check them out they're brilliant um they supported us with those workshops and also with engaging the activists um they basically work to combat eco-anxiety with young people and they run 
um, what they call resilient circles, um, where they work with young people to basically equip them and upskill them to combat eco-anxiety and burnout. So they were a brilliant partner with us um, on those workshops. Um, so when we worked with the activists, we shared snippets of the script and we basically gauged from them. They were like, what do you think of this? What do you like this? Is this representing you? How how do we develop that together? So they really informed that process of developing it. Um, and we, like, we're hoping that we're going to continue working with them. We held some more workshops um, that following in 2021 as well with further activists. And then we're hoping as we keep leveraging funding that we keep that relationship going whereby they inform what we do and hold us accountable and um, we created a manifesto for example um the activists created a manifesto for shy ben that over the next sort of five to ten years that we're able to meet those demands of that manifesto um so it was very much like a a give and take relationship in that respect um working they were learning things from us we were learning from things from them and sort of thinking through how we as a theatre company um are doing more than more just than outside of the well more past outside the four walls of a rehearsal room um which i think is something that's really at the core and important to us um so yeah that's mm. that's kind of how that was informed Mm, so interesting it's almost like a sort of symbiotic relationship which is really cool would you say that burnout has changed a lot since the first time you guys are indeed the play and I think you had like a first sharing back in um was it December 2021 that yeah so that was actually our second sharing we um we okay. were we were so uh delighted that we were granted a bursary from live theatre up in Newcastle who are just incredible they have supported Amazing. us big time um they, they they gave us a bursary to start developing burnout and we did our first R&D in May 2021 so we'd been working with the activists we'd been developing the script we kind of had this sort of rough draft script before even going into the rehearsal room and uh, that was a team of myself, Nikki, the writer, Caitlin, director, worked with Lakani Cherwa and Danica Etchels as our performers and uh, Nick on design. Um, so it was just, uh, just us as a small team uh, in that first R&D up in Newcastle. So we did a two week R&D and then we held a live streamed R&D sharing, which, whew, as a producer, that was like the most stressful thing of my life. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> it was so worth it because we got to share um, the sort of beginnings of this show with um, wonderful friends and uh, venues and audiences and uh, fellow artists and companies who are just so grateful for their support and feedback was so, so useful um, from that first sharing. And then, um, and then we got a residency at Arts Depot in North London so then we did our second R&D in November 2021 when we were able to have a live R&D sharing, which was excellent and just so useful, I think, like in terms of creative practice. It's just we're firm believers of not, you know, closing the doors and not um, 
not just uh, <laughs> sitting in our echo chamber. So important to share what we're making and be like, this might be a bit shit. We're not sure what this is landing like. We don't know. Like, we think it's really cool, but, you know, we've been in the room together for two weeks, so of course we think it's cool, but <laughs> you might be like, no, that's not working. Um, so those R&Ds were really, really crucial in our development um, and developing the show, um, which was just, yeah, really, really lucky and really excellent opportunity to get that rolling. Um yeah, so um, that was that. And <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, Shy Ben, you make work which is really socially engaged and that's absolutely brilliant. And I've also seen that you say that you can also make sustainable performance, uh, which is playful and accessible to audiences. And it sort of reminds me that um, Veronica, another member of Cointos, uh, did an episode with Ollie from the Greenhouse Theatre, which is a zero waste theatre. And yeah, and he made this really um, interesting point about, you know, the work we do, like, does it just stop on the stage, you know, and, and the stories we tell, like it, it should go beyond that. Um, so yeah, I was wondering how you aim to make your work sustainable and are you also looking to make more work about climate change in the future? Yeah, so making the work sustainable, um, that's been there from the get-go. Um, Kate and I did lots of workshops throughout lockdown. Those, like, you know, when everyone was offering these amazing free online workshops, we were like, yes, gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, mm. <coughs> Julie's Bicycle, fantastic resource. And I think at the time when we did Talk Proper, there was a brilliant... Uh, initiative called Staging Change um, founded by JC Dale Jones and uh, Alice Boyd which was brilliant like to be a part of that initiative because they shared lots of really practical ways of making sustainable work and being a sustainable company um, so we've kind of just gathered and garnered loads of knowledge to make sure that it's intrinsic to our practice we're still learning we're still getting there um, hence why like obviously yes funding limits but also sustainability our set everything set costumes props everything is made from recyclable or secondhand materials um that we then you know make our designer make sure that that all goes on set swap and things like that it's all made so it's really compact so that it can travel in a small van to our tour venues when we go on tour um just yeah working sustainably like working with our green book and making sure that we demand that of the venues that we work with as well and making sure that they've got sustainable policies and practice, making sure that our team is really informed about making sure that we're recycling and bringing in lunch and but also that sustainability of our people, you know, making sure that we rest, making sure that we come in well fed and that we've got everything that we need. And um, as I say, it's uh, I could talk about, that could be like a whole podcast as it probably was <laughs> with um, Ollie. Um, but yeah we're, we're trying our best and making sure that we're working in that way um and uh so yeah it's kind of the show is very much created with that ethos at the core um I'm sorry Rosie I forgot the second bit of your question <laughs> <laughs> um accessible as well yeah how do you um I can see actually I think your first performance at Vault is a relaxed performance yeah, so we, we've we been working with the brilliant access consultant, Kate Lovell, um, who's just been so supportive and really, really helpful. Um, 
and just making sure that we are actually making the show accessible. So um, there will be uh, creative captions. We're working with uh, video designer Ben Glover. Um, each show, every single show that we do on our tour will be creatively captioned. Um, we are making sure that we're also reaching those audiences as well and finding those right groups that will benefit from those captions, having a relaxed performance. So that meaning that our lighting and our sound and the way in which our audience are able to conduct themselves within those relaxed performances are like nice and toned down so nothing is going to be um, alarming or upsetting. Um, you know, just putting those things in practice is really, really important. And Kate's been really instrumental and helpful in advising us and making sure that we can implement those things. Again, it's it's learning, isn't it? We're, we're doing our best. And I think that's the most important thing is to make sure that we make our work accessible for the people that we want to reach, but also for the people that we work with. That's really important. Mm. Becky, it sounds like Shy Ben, you guys are doing some amazing work. Um, and burnout, thanks. <laughs> burnout sounds incredible and yeah I hope to catch it in the future and to be honest I feel like we could have talked for another hour but that's all we've got time for <laughs> today but thank you yeah thank you so much for talking to me oh no thank you so much for having me thank you for the space thank you for the time um and best of luck for freak out it sounds amazing and yeah just if you're if you're in london come to vault festival come see burnout come see freak out hopefully <laughs> that'd be amazing <laughs> yeah so burnout and freak out are essentially being performed at the same times on the same days <laughs> i was like no i know so very sadly um you know we won't get to watch Burnout, Cointos won't get to watch uh, Burnout of Vault because as well as creating, we're also performing in our show. But the exciting news is that Burnout is going on tour this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll definitely be catching one of your performances then. So Becky, to sort of round off the episode, give us a quick rundown of the dates and places for the tour and also plug burnout here's your opportunity go for it thank you rosie thank you so much um so we are finally going on tour we've been wanting to do this for such a long time so we are taking burnout to vault festival on the 18th and 19th of march on the saturday the 18th we've got a 2 30 p.m relaxed performance and a 6 10 performance and on sunday the 19th it's mother's day but come and celebrate mother earth <laughs> uh, which is at 6.10 on Sunday the 19th and then we head to Laurel's um, Theatre up in Whitley Bay um, which is the artistic director is the brilliant uh, Jamie Eastlake um, so we are going there on the 24th and 25th of March and we have a little break um, and then we are headed to Theatre by the Lake in Cumbria um, for the 30th and 31st of May and then we go to live theatre in Newcastle on the 2nd and 3rd of June. And then we end our short tour in Reading at South Street Arts Centre on the 7th of June. Um, you can find everything um, about Shy Ben. You can find us on social media at Shy Ben Theatre. And you can check out our website as well and just keep up to date with all that we're doing. Um, but thank you so much. <laughs> 
Becky, thank you once again and um, have a great evening and looking forward to seeing you in person at Vault. Yes, look forward to it. <laughs> Take care, Rosie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cointos Conversations. You can catch Burnout at the Cavern in the Vault on Saturday the 18th and Sunday the 19th of March and you can see our show Freakout at the Network Theatre also on Saturday the 18th and Sunday the 19th of March. Tickets are available for both shows on the Vault Festival website. You can follow us at Cointos Collective on all of our socials to stay up to date with our future episodes plus all our ongoing and future projects. This production is supported using public funding from Arts Council England. See you soon and thank you for listening.